Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, going to be broadcasting live to you here on StreamYard, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Currently, the Arizona Cardinals are sitting atop not just the NFC, but atop the NFL as the only remaining 4-0 team. My name is Blake Murphy, and today we're going to be talking about some of the fallout from the Arizona Cardinals and their win over the Los Angeles Rams. A huge win for the Cardinals, 37-20 to in a away game, their first game that they have in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Or you could even say their first win over Sean McVay in the Sean McVay era. It has not been since uh, January 1st, 2017. We're talking about two presidents ago that the Arizona Cardinals have been able to get a win over the Rams. And they do it in an incredibly convincing fashion, going away with a 17-point win. And this is obviously one of the areas where we talked about this going into the week. If the Cardinals were able to beat the Rams on Sunday because... Very few, if anyone, picked them to even come close to beating the Rams. They would be able to earn a lot of what Aretha Franklin would call uh, that R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And today we get to find out what it means as the Cardinals across the NFL are ranked in many scenarios as the number one team in the NFL. Power rankings obviously fluctuate and change. Last week, the Rams were one. This week, Rams fall to maybe three or four. Some have pushed them out of the top five. But I think what a lot of it shows is that this is a tenacious team that really, really wasn't getting the credit that it deserved going into the season. We'll talk more about maybe how we should have seen some of the Cardinal success coming. We can also talk about how maybe there's been a few flaws that we've seen that people looked at and said, oh yeah, this is something where the Cardinals are going to lose. It'll be right here. We've seen this before. And that's probably why they are still, in some cases, not getting a lot of respect. Currently, their SI uh, Supports Illustrated has the Cardinals ranked at 5th in their power rankings. And the reason being that they're looking at the 2020 Seahawks as a comparison, a team that started out red hot. People forget the Seahawks had been undefeated coming into that matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. They looked like they were perhaps the best team in the league, or at least the best offense in the league, with one of the worst defenses. Cardinals beat them in that game. Seattle ends up adjusting on defense 
but their offense did slow down. What we're going to be talking about here, at least, is how the Cardinals, I think, at least, are always going to be a bit under-respected, just in general, partially just because you could even see a plethora of tweets that went out. After the Oakland Raiders in Monday Night Football lose to the Chargers, they had been a previously a 3-0 team. Chargers take over now atop their division at 3-1. Uh, Chiefs at 2-2, two two. that's been probably one of the bigger surprises in the league uh, for many people. But what it does say, at least, is that when all sorts of people are like, hey, 4-0 Arizona Cardinals, who saw that coming? Everyone, Arizona Cardinals, 4-0, last unbeaten team, last undefeated team. It's because it doesn't happen. This is a franchise that is the second losingest franchise of the entire NFL, right behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they have more losses, given their you know, first and oldest team in the league, than any other team in the NFL. It is not something that's very precedented for this team. And as a result, that's why there's a lot of people talking about what happened to the Rams? You know, there's people who are going to look at it, and maybe some of that's fair. Maybe some of it is saying, hey, Rams are playing a Thursday night football. It's a short week. It already spanked the Cardinals in the past plenty of times. They went 8-0 against them the last four years. <laughs> can talk at least about how perhaps the Bucks beating the defending Super Bowl champions coming off of that. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they just really kind of had a lot of an emotional win. We're kind of caught a little bit off guard. And I think that really just takes a lot of the credit away from what Arizona's managed to do. It's not really, man, how good are the Cardinals? It's, ooh, wow, ooh, Rams, they really screwed it up. Well, I still think they're the best team in the NFL. And I think it's time, not just as Cardinals fans, but maybe for anyone watching the NFL, to challenge some of that. And some of that comes with challenging some of the expectations. Heck, it could be even some of my own expectations. Coming into this season... There's a lot of questions saying, hey, this could be a phenomenal team if everything goes according to plan. Chandler Jones is coming back. You've got a bunch of veteran additions. Kyler Murray's in year three. Maybe there's some questions about some of the additions and choices that have been made by the GM and head coach. And so far, to their credit, things have gone out pretty much as good, if not better, than what you could have expected. Uh, let's talk about the game itself, at least, because this is one where right from the get-go, it seemed like there was going to be a little bit of an uh-oh moment. The Rams drive pretty easily down the field with a combination of running and passing the ball. But the Cardinals hold them on third down in the red zone. Sean McVay decides to settle for a field goal. And then the other side, the Cardinals quickly drive back with a long touchdown strike to A.J. Green. He has, I believe, a uh, another, I believe this is a 100-yard game for him. I'm going to double-check the box score there. But uh, 67 yards, yeah. It was pretty, pretty uh Pretty much a tight end game if you want to talk about some of that as well. They also had a long completion to DeAndre Hopkins to open up. Immediately, the Rams decided to slide Jalen Ramsey onto him. Probably one of the more uh, humorous things that you can say is that Hopkins has been lining up more in the slot this season. Not a lot. He's still primarily a left side receiver. But the Cardinals flexed him over to the right side. Jalen Ramsey didn't travel. Hopkins goes out and catches a long pass. And suddenly the Rams are like, all right, Hopkins is on the right side now. We're, we're, we're going to have to put Jalen Ramsey over there. But Arizona made it look pretty easy. They used the matchups downfield with A.J. Green, a 6'4 receiver who's looked healthier than he's been in the past few years, has kind of been almost their number one receiver the last few weeks, interestingly enough. And they take a long pass that where he just goes up, gets the ball over the one-on-one -on -one coverage, and that showcases just the weapons that Arizona has. Of, hey, you're going to take away DeAndre Hopkins in 2020? 
Cardinals don't have a lot they can do. Christian Kirk has to get open. You have to hope that Kyler Murray can keep things going with his legs for the Cardinals to get the win. And instead, now we're seeing a Cardinals team that is not able to just get some of the big plays, but they're able to take care of some of the little details as well. And so that's where I think that that's where the key to this game really came down was on the next few drives. The next drive after Arizona had scored, Matthew Stafford takes a long bomb going down to likes of Byron Murphy, who picks it off. Uh, he's going downfield to Deshaun Jackson. Ball gets picked off, and there you go. The Cardinals take over and are able to go down and score. And this is something that I think at least we haven't talked about as much, but really in a lot of cases, turnovers have been the story of the season. You look at how the Cardinals in their first game of the year against the Titans forced multiple turnovers, walk away, hand, handy victory. Week two against the Vikings, Kyler Murray throws a pick six. They also have the deep interception on the route to Christian Kirk is picked off going against, I believe, a cover two defense, more likely a, one of the Tampa two trying to hit Kirk. Vikings turn that into a field goal. Suddenly those 10 points turned out to be the difference between the Vikings going for the win and the Cardinals essentially being a missed field goal away from being a 3-1 and team. Week 3, you look at how the Cardinals end up having another interception out of the half by Kyler Murray. The Vikings having a field goal missed, returned the ball. But really, what ended up being the difference in the game? It was immediately afterwards. The pick 6 by Byron Murphy and the Cardinals being able to score. It was a dynamic turnaround. And we saw the same thing happen on Sunday. I was convinced, at least, that, you know... The game would come down to Kyler Murray continues his pattern of turning over once per game, and the Rams continue their pattern of one, maybe less turnovers per game. Then it would seem like the Rams would have the ability to run the ball in Arizona and win the game. What happened instead was that turnover, and then the Marcus Golden fumble afterwards turned out to be the difference. Arizona did not turn the ball over. Instead, they scored at least 10 points off of those turnovers, and that's really where the offense while it seemed like it opened up quite a bit, the turnovers were too much for the Rams to be able to overcome. And that's because Arizona has developed from being this rush, rushing first, run first type of offense to one of the more dynamic passing attacks in the NFL. And this is where a lot of credit should go towards Cliff Kingsbury and his scheme, which I think a lot of people have looked at and said, this is a bad scheme. You know, Hopkins isn't moving around. The Cardinals are essentially having to go five empty all the time. There's going to be mismatches that you're going to have. What we've seen, at least as far as for Cliff Kingsbury's vision in a lot of ways, is by being able to say, hey, if we can spread the field out, that'll give us room to run the ball, both with Kyler Murray and with our running backs. But having weapons that spread out a team that you have to suddenly be able to cover, not just DeAndre Hopkins on one side or A.J. Green on the other, but being able to see Max Williams get mismatches, and even though Rondale Moore and... Uh, Christian Kirk did not go off and have large games. Moore had one of the bigger plays of the game where Kyler steps up in the pocket, looking a lot more confident this season. Pits it over to Moore. He runs past Jalen Ramsey, picks up a first down. Cardinals drive continues on a third down. And I think that's the level of comfort in the pocket we can talk about. Where I would say that the Cardinals this year are very similar to the 2021 Phoenix Suns. Now, does that mean that they're going to be like 
in the Super Bowl, just like how the Suns run the championship. It may not, but maybe it's a little bit closer than we thought. There's been comparisons that we made this offseason saying, hey, health may be a question. Perhaps people may wonder, you know, are you, is Cliff Kingsborough going to compensate for some of the play calls if A.J. Green looks like he's dusted, if Christian Kirk doesn't make the jump in the slot that's expected, and if the offensive line which we consider the strength of the team, had issues with their injuries, would the Cardinals still be able to perform well? And so far, I think what we've seen in this offseason is the Cardinals are a veteran team in general, but they have a lot of young talent. You're talking about with Kyler Murray being, as we've seen, one of the best, not just dual threat quarterbacks, but he's turned into from being a rushing quarterback or the Michael Vick, as people talked about, to a guy who looks like a Russell Wilson-type passer, in the passing game, someone who, if you give him time, he will be able to dissect you, and he can make plays with his legs too. So if everything goes right, you still got to account for Kyler Murray. Uh, we'll talk more about him as far as that and with his MVP chances, but I want to talk about the two guys who I think, at least when you compare to the 2021 Phoenix Suns, the guys who are most similar to those two big additions, which were, of course, Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, who put up some would argue an MVP type season. It was one of the biggest reasons for the Suns turnaround. Coming into this season, I think most people would have said this is going to be a JJ Watt is Chris Paul, and Jay Crowder might be the Rodney Hudson, the guy that they traded for, acquired, veteran talent, 32 year old center. I think maybe it's been flipped a bit more than we think, at least. I think it's been a little bit closer to having how Rodney Hudson has maybe filled some of that Chris Paul role, the value that we have seen has been astronomical. He's been able to bring, not just to the rushing game, but to giving Kyler comfort and time in the pocket. Yeah, it's been uh, very great to be able to watch Rodney Hudson play, to be able to watch the Cardinals improve last year from a team that was playing essentially a guard at center in some ways to one that is really dominating in almost all aspects of the offensive game. Let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit with the fact, at least with J.J. Watt and Chan, they've had a little bit of a slow start, but when you're adding players like the talent that the J.J. Uh, Watt is, the talent that Rodney Hudson is, you're going to be looking at guys like Isaiah Simmons, guys like Jalen Thompson, who had a large game, you're going to be looking at least even at the likes of Byron Murphy, who's, if healthy at least, he's been kind of banged up a bit, but he's still managing to play. This may be one of the more talented younger teams in the league, which means guys are going to get paid. That's just how the NFL goes. Young guys who are studs get paid. But adding all of that together, it's made for what seems to be a winning football team that you have to say, hey, if you got lucky against the Titans... If you got lucky against the Vikings, okay, sure, you beat the Jags. By going out and beating the Rams, the Cardinals have proven, I think at least, that as the current team is constructed, they are for real. Now, could things still fall apart down the stretch? Sure, we've seen that before. The 4-0 2012 Cardinals lost Kevin Cobb and ended up losing 58-0 to Seattle and only won one game the rest of the year. I'm not saying that that's going to be what's happening with the Cardinals. It does show at least how availability is the best thing a prospect can have. And so far, Kyler Murray's availability has truly been a blessing to the team. They haven't been hit by the injury bug. Really, they were hit by the retirement bug with Malcolm Butler. And we've seen some of their other guys, including Josh Jones, step up as far as being part of that young talent. 
And so if the Cardinals are going to be one of these teams that make a run, and if you look around at the NFC, take a look at how Aaron Rodgers and the Packers defense look susceptible. You have Gronk missing for the Bucks. They play a game in the rain, but don't look like the same offensive threat. Um, you talk about how the Seahawks in the division are kind of getting off to a 2-2 two and two start. The Cardinals have been able to beat the Rams. Perhaps the Rams come back and beat Arizona the next time around. And the Niners have essentially been that team that everyone's trying to figure out exactly who they are. And it's going to only get more confusing now with Jimmy Garoppolo leaving. And then the Dallas Cowboys have obviously taken a huge step up defensively in addition to that potent passing offense. But if you're a Cardinals fan right now and you look at this offense averaging some about 32 points a game, look at the defense that has been able to give up points but really has been able to make big takeaways, that's been able to stop when things have happened, that's been able to make some of these second-half adjustments. It's not like there's a team that the Cardinals go like, oh, yeah, you're going to lose to them. You're going to go. If there was that team, it would have been the Rams. The Cardinals, by proving that they can beat the Rams, not only is it going to be a confidence boost for the players and the team who've been there a long time, uh, a guy like Abuda Baker, who in his career has never beaten the Rams, and he's one of the longest tenured members of the team, that confidence going forward is going to be confidence in Kyler Murray, confidence in Cliff Kingsbury. It might even be confidence in general manager Steve Kime to be able to surround his coach and his quarterback with uh, enough talent on offense and defense to be able to perform. And that's where I think we can transition into talking about some of this credit with Kime and with Cliff. Because they were the laughingstock of the league in 2019, and that's pretty much not a surprise to say anyone. In 2019, Cliff Kingsbury was hired after going 35-40 and 40 at Texas Tech. Everyone who's a Cardinals fan has heard of this, knows this. Steve Kime had went from being a general manager of the year to hiring a coach who was fired after one and had drafted Josh Rosen. Uh, even in hindsight, it looks even worse now because with Sam Darnold playing effectively with the Panthers, he's been able to kind of use his legs in the red zone, make solid reads. Joe Brady, of course, has done a solid job, and there's been at least enough weapons there. But the Panthers were a 3-0 and team going into this game and lost to the Dallas Cowboys, but Sam Darnold was not one of the main reasons why they lost. They lost in part because the Cowboys' offense was just that potent. But he's looked not bad away from the Jets, and that really has kind of cast a shadow over if you've got an MVP in Lamar Jackson, you've got Josh Allen, who may be playing with the best team in the NFL, uh, in the Buffalo Bills, according to Football Outsiders, maybe the second best in most power rankings behind the Cardinals. You've got the guy who went number one overall with Baker Mayfield leading their division. He isn't connected well with Odell Beckham. And then you've got the Cardinals with Josh Rosen. Just... Kind of hanging out there as a backup in the Falcons on his fourth or fifth team and really does not look good in hindsight for Steve Kime. But seeing what they've done and to redeem it has been kind of an area where even the most avid Kime hater has to be able to give respect and props. Because he's been able to, with a second and third round pick, transform the Cardinals' offense just by bringing in A.J. Green and Rondale Moore. It's like, okay, we got our core, we got our foundation, it's building around the offensive line. Uh, Josh Jones currently, while his PFF grade has been a bit lower than um, some would like, potentially, he's one of the highest pass block win rates in the NFL. He's been a solid fill-in for Kelvin Beach in missing time. I don't know if he's going to be the future at right tackle. I think that there's a good chance, at least, that he's going to be at some point a start, long-term starter for the team um, on the outside. 
Uh, that was his natural position in college. But just by finding a guy like that in the third round, picking him, being able to go out and trade up for the likes of a Marco Wilson, a guy who is an athletic freak. You're like, all right, this guy's got all the skills. Played well as a freshman, was injured as a sophomore, recovering as a junior. This is a guy worth taking a chance on. And then trusting him, a guy who probably should have had his first pick, if not for a penalty, to handle some of the more tough assignments in the NFL. He's had Julio Jones through week one. He's had to cover Adam Thielen. He's had to be able to go and cover, even in this game, the likes of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And he did give up a touchdown in this game. Uh, it goes without saying that there's still been some struggles, but it's not like it's Byron Murphy as a rookie. Or he's really shown, at least in that aspect, to be the one thing that Steve Kime hasn't had yet. At least not since 2015, which is a late round gem. We've always seen stuff he either a whiff on day one, a head on day two, rounds two or three, but we haven't really seen that round four, round five type of talent really hit for the Arizona Cardinals since their rookie season in 2015. 13 when they got Andre Ellington in round six. Ellington had a solid first season, a decent second season, and really ended up going away for David Johnson in year three. But having a guy like that paired with a Chase Edmonds, these fourth round picks, Edmonds, we can talk about him with the rushing attack, but it's shown that if you can be able to land solid talent in the early rounds and find a gem or two in later rounds, it's really what you need to do as a general manager. Now, I do think that one of the complaints that we've had with Steve Kime in the past is he likes to go year to year. He thinks that the NFL is not about a multi-year bill, but about a year to year trying to win. And to his credit, the seasons in which he's gone all out to win have been successful for the Cardinals. They retooled in 2013, kept their defense, added pieces on offense, and then chose to compete again in 2014, 2015. It's where the transition away from Carson Palmer to a new young quarterback really seemed like the, it wavered a lot of trust and confidence. And a lot of those fears were essentially confirmed in 2018 when the Cardinals were the worst team in the NFL. As a result, now they've been having to build back over the next few years. And last year was kind of this, all right, we're going to go for it, trade for Hopkins, take a guy who's going to play right away, and Isaiah Simmons, take a guy who is probably going to play right away. We saw Kelvin Beecham end up putting an end to that uh, in Josh Jones. And I think maybe that's something we have to say with if Steve Kime is going to be a GM who's strongest and competing and kind of going all in, maybe it's fine to be able to say, all right, maybe there's disagreements that I may have, but at least what you're doing and performing is something I can respect. And that's that same respect that I think Cliff Kingsbury is starting to find around the league now. If you're looking at power rankings before the season – you're looking at rankings before the season of coaches. Cliff Kingsbury was leading, I think, with a plus 750 betting as the first coach fired that year. People looked at Arizona's schedule and went, oh, gosh, they got the Titans first. They got a tough game against the Vikings at home and their offense. Yeah, they'll probably beat the Jags, but then you play the Rams. Oh, man, if he gets off to this 1-3 and three start, like people are going to be like having the fire Cliff tweets setting off. People are just going to be angry and upset. And I think in this regard, we're seeing at least this trend play out of Cliff Kingsbury, who's now at plus 600 for the betting. He's having serious coach of the year talk, which is crazy to think about, considering where we were a few months ago. Maybe what we should be more surprised about is less about each of those areas and more about how there was so much doubt for Kingsbury coming in when a lot of the things that he did were right. And as far as what do you want to have in your NFL head coach? 
Uh, the biggest complaint that I remember seeing with the Steve Wilkes era was lack of adjustments. Same thing each week. Seemed that he was in over his head. Overall, just did not seem to know what to do as far as managing the game. And a lot of people are looking at Cliff and going, man, like, calling time out there he shouldn't have. The game management's just been rough. Losing some of these close games that were there. And in spite of it all, Kingsbury, at least, hasn't gone out and basically thrown his players under the bus. He's really kind of put a lot of it on himself, tried to show his humility, but more of this player's coach type of style. And we've even seen that as a result. It seemed to work for the Cardinals. We've seen them go from a three-win team to a five-win team that probably should have been a six-win team or at least an emotional uh, six-win team as far as it goes with that tie against the Detroit Lions being a huge comeback for the Cardinals to come back and tie that game to then an eight-win team that really had questions in part because with Kyler Hurt, they struggled down the stretch, had issues as far as stopping the run, also had uh, adjustment issues on offense. And perhaps maybe this is a coaching staff that is still so built around Kyler Murray and so built around trying to, you know, play the pass that there are going to be issues that pop up in future games. But at the end of it, we've seen Cliff come in and be able to take on that vision that a lot of people would question was going to work in the NFL. Can you have a team that's going to run 10 wide personnel, runs the ball very quickly, does it a lot uh, as far as usually this power scheme, spreading teams out, and then uses a horizontal passing attack with a mobile quarterback. Like, man, there's so many ways it could go wrong for this. And that's pretty much everything we saw through the year one and year two. We saw Kyler get hurt at the end of the year. We saw how they essentially lined Hopkins up on one side, didn't have a lot of weapons. We saw how quickly, if a team would go three and out by going no huddle, no huddle, had issues. And there was a lot in terms of just the concepts that seemed like they were, all right, is this too simple? Is Kyler able to read all of the field? And at the end of the day, we've kind of seen him adjust some of his own approach. And I think that's the key that by Cliff not only saying that he needed to do a better job, but by demonstrating it and seeing the changes. That's been kind of the biggest difference where I think it's been answering the question, is Cliff a good coach or a bad coach? I don't know. Is he a great coach? Like, is he a coach that's holding the Cardinals back? These are all questions that have been asked. I think that the answer is that Cliff is unique. And that's why there's been so many questions about it, because there's not a box that you can fit Cliff into. His scheme is not this type of, you know, typical Bruce Arians vertical, let's chuck it downfield type of scheme that you have. There's vertical pass shots that you'll hit. He's not this run first type of team. He's been kind of a combination of all of the above. We saw year one how he switched from this 10 personnel type of look to the end of the year, much more this 12 personnel, two tight ends running the football type of area. We saw the following year that offense continued for the most part, at least, with a bit more emphasis on improving the passing attack. But it wasn't a great passing attack. It was a good run attack. And then once teams essentially said, hey, we're going to go ahead and sell out, try to stop Arizona from running the football. A lot of times Arizona, without Kyler running, wasn't converting these third and ones, third and twos. And you saw Zane Gonzalez missing kicks. The special teams was something that was not quite up to snuff for the Cardinals compared to the other teams around the league that had veteran established kickers. And now in year three, he's got weapons, he's got an offensive line, and he's got a quarterback who has finally shown the mastery of the system, not just in throws to DeAndre Hopkins or schemed plays, but being able to make plays in and out of structure as well. And we're seeing that vision that Kingsbury really wanted 
within the first three years, it was like, that's kind of where you give three years to try something. If it doesn't work, you move on. He's demonstrated at least that he knew a lot more about the NFL and about adjusting his own scheme and his own preferences than many other coaches. And I think that's one of the areas where he deserves credit. It's part of why he's turned around and been coach of the year awards. Some are going to say maybe it's all Kyler Murray. Perhaps that is a huge part of it, if not the biggest part. But I don't think that you get this Kyler Murray with just anyone. I think that there is a level of Cliff and Kyler together and this vision that we've seen that's allowed Kyler to be able to flourish and have confidence in him that a head coach is not, and Sean McVay is really given to Matthew Stafford, didn't give as much to Jared Goff at times when he struggled. We have seen Kyle Shanahan not give a whole lot of trust to guys like Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. But by having Cliff Kingsbury trusting Kyler to a fault, it's perhaps given him some more of that confidence to go out and perform. Uh, and being able to have some of these weapons like A.J. Green seemingly coming back from the dead, being able to see at least the Cardinals even involve Max Williams. You've got the Cardinals, who are a team that did not throw to tight ends at all through the first two years, have decided to take a healthy Max and have him be an integral part of the offense. Uh, Cliff blossoming as a play caller with that touchdown to Williams being a difficult throw, but it was the right call and the right move of throwing it up to a 6-6 tight end in the red zone. And then the tight end screen pass where he goes into chips and blocks and then you set up a screen just when it seemed like that the Rams were ready to go ahead and get a hit in on Kyler. He rumbles down the field for about 25, 30 yards or so, puts the Cardinals in position to score another James Conner touchdown. Essentially, that was a call that you could kind of point to and say that put the game away. And that's a huge win for Cliff, who, as many remember, was just seen as a friend of Sean McVay. He is his through nepotism. He's getting this. This is a terrible hire. Maybe it's the only hire the Cardinals could do after that terrible season. And improving a lot of people wrong, we'll see at least if how much of that narrative stays or how much credit starts to be given to Kingsbury for the work that he's done so far. And again, it all comes down to winning. It really does. Urban Meyer is the laughing stock of the NFL, and he's one of the winningest college head coach of all time, <laughs> like period. Cliff is a guy who couldn't get a winning record in the Big 12, one of the easier divisions to just kind of say, hey, we got offensive talent, let's go ahead down with the shootouts and be able to win football games. Without even having a winning record with Patrick Mahomes, most people had given up Kingsbury for dead, and I think that there's credit that should be deserved. We'll see how long the sustainability happens. There's obviously going to be times that Cliff stumbles, um, similar to times perhaps that Sean McVay has stumbled, but by getting over this hill of being able to get that and then being first place in the division, I may be able to cement him of not just taking him off the hot seat, but being able to say, all right, you know what, Cliff, we've seen enough, at least from you now, we've seen the growth, we've seen that. Let's start at least saying, rather than you holding them back, let's go ahead and at least say, all right, we're willing to buy into some of this vision. Go ahead and sell me on all of this. If things go badly, then maybe we can always retract that opinion. But perhaps now is the time for people to realize that Cliff's gotten his players to buy in to him. Maybe it's time for the fan base and for national people to buy in as well. Last thing to at least talk about, and this is the biggest thing, are the Cardinals for real? Well, they are, and part of that is due to Kyler Murray. And the fact that right now, Kyler, if you're looking at everything that was advertised about him coming out in the 2019 draft, was basically like, all right, this guy is... Either going to be too short for the NFL. He's in this air raid, you know, offense that really just pushes all of this type of offensive talent to Oklahoma to the front. He's got a heck of an arm, 
But is he going to be able to make it work in the NFL? Like, can he see over his line? Is he a guy who's just going to be this scrambling Michael Vick type quarterback who always has these star impressive plays, but when he faces a challenging defense mentally, he's just not quite there. Um, and I think that's the burden that every single athletic quarterback has to deal with. There's always these comparisons that you'll make to guys instead of saying, hey, this could be like, you know, a Johnny Menzel if he had like a cannon for an arm. You're instead of getting comparisons to the Michael Vicks or you're not getting comparisons to these Randall Cunninghams. You're not getting even comparisons to Fran Tarkenton. You're seeing a lot of what people came with Kyler Murray was questioning if this is going to work in the NFL level because it was such a departure from what most people had assumed about the NFL. It was more of like, hey, you could stick with the tried and true, the typical, you could try this. There wasn't any room for out-of-the-box thinking when it came to Cliff and Kyler, much less Kyler going at one. Now, NFL scouts who watch football, who talk to the kid, who realized that were like, oh, wow, like this kid, we hope he plays football because, woof, he'll be wasted in the minor leagues. And so far, all of that we've talked about of the potential of what Kyler Murray could be has just been potential. Because the Cardinals had been a rushing attack or we'd seen just limitations in their passing game. And now that there's been weapons, now that there's been protection, we're kind of getting to see the maturation of Kyler Murray, not just as a leader in the locker room, not just as a symbol essentially for the Cardinals to rally around, but we're seeing him as a leader performing on the field at the highest level with showing the pinpoint accuracy that he was talked about. He's completed 75% of his passes, which when you're talking about 75%, it's like, all right, three out of the four passes you make are going to be completions. You think about in baseball, you get a 300 batting average. That means that less than three out of your 10 battles are going to be hit. Kyler, at least, is proving in a lot of ways that he is, in some of the cases, an exception in part because of the size and the stature. Because that's led to the talent that he's had with his arm and his legs being something that's turned into a huge problem. Because not only is he able to complete these passes that are at pinpoint, be able to take advantage of mismatches, this is a spot where he took three sacks, but in clutch situations, he's able to use his legs still to be able to perform. The Cardinals win a third and 16 situation. Kyler Murray drops back to pass, and he runs around, makes a guy miss with a slight juke, and is able to run with his speed to pick up a first down. He picks up 17 yards on third and 16. And that wasn't even like the most impressive thing because of the passes he's made. And that's where I think with a lot of what we talk about with the NFL when it comes to team building comes down to the idea of identity. And I think that the Cardinals in 2018 did not know what their identity was. And I think that part of that is because what we saw as far as with Josh Rosen, with others in college, even with Steve Wilkes and the Cardinals, was that they kind of knew and felt like what their identity and and was, but they didn't have the talent to be able to perform with it. You draft in Kyler Murray and you realize we're going to be this team that's going to throw the ball deep on offense. We're going to be able to give Kyler room to run around and make plays. We're going to run the football, at least, by being able to get guys in space, to be able to just have big play after big play after big play, just like the 12, Big 12 football is going to be. And on defense, let's be this blitz-heavy team under Vance Joseph, fit what the Cardinals mold that Steve Keim has come to know, bring in VJ for that, be able to have solid cornerback play as best as you can with guys on the outside, being able to have some pass rushes on the inside. And Keim kind of changed a little bit of his mold to say, hey, you know what? We probably need to work on getting some of our linebackers addressed. He went, got Isaiah Simmons. We've seen a little bit of Zayvon Collins. I think he's been kind of the biggest 
can't say really disappointment so far this year because Jordan Phillips is hurt, but he's not played as much as fans were, I think, uh, advertised to that he would play as much. But the identity that we've seen of the Arizona Cardinals is, plan, is panned out in a huge way, and a lot of that is ultimately due to Kyler and just the talent that he's had is turned into being able to have the hard work of, hey, he's been able to manage not taking as many of these different hits. He's managed to be able to step up in the pocket, be able to trust his protection at times. He still obviously will bail on some pockets a bit too early, but he's learned how to be able to throw on the run, knowing where his guys are going to be this time versus just focusing and dropping the eyes down from the coverage and running, trying to get to the marker or trying to get out of bounds so he doesn't take a hit. There was a big play that he made the other day where he steps up with a crease in the pocket looks to his right and tosses the ball to Rondale Moore. Moore makes Jalen Ramsey miss, picks up a first down. It avoided a hit, made a huge play, and it was a bigger play than he could pick up with his legs. As a result, what we're seeing from Kyler Murray is this MVP-type candidate, this dangerous weapon at quarterback with dangerous arms and dangerous legs. And there's very few quarterbacks in the NFL who are able to be that type of a talent that Kyler Murray is. NFL, obviously. It's like the top 1% of all human beings as far as athletes in the world. You got guys who, you know, can run a 4940 who are 300 something pounds. You got guys who can run in the 42s who could qualify for the Olympics. And you got guys like Kyler who have these cannons for arms but also have that mobility with their legs to really play football not just 10 on 11 with the 10th guy, you know, the 11th guy in the pocket but really play 11 on 11. And he's really up there as far as with the likes of the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. He's up there with the Russell Wilson, the guy who fell because he was considered a bit too short and people thought he was just going to go and play baseball if he didn't get an opportunity. He's got at least a lot of the rushing threat that we've seen from Lamar Jackson held out of the end zone on Sunday. But really, this is kind of the moment where if we're going to talk about what Kyler Murray could be, this game perhaps is the first game we get to kind of talk about Kyler Murray as he is. And we'll see what that leads to. Right now, it's led to the Cardinals getting national respect, national attention. It's led to Kyler being first in the MVP voting after taking down the guy who he was tied with in Matthew Stafford. Guy who has had kind of a career resurgence. We've seen Kyler being a guy that, you know, I think is very possible could be the guy on the Madden cover. You talk about Lamar Jackson's MVP type season. He gets on the Madden cover. You talk about how Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes make it to Super Bowls. They get on the Madden cover. If Kyler Murray is able to put another Cardinal, the second one after Larry Fitzgerald, onto that, I I know there's someone will worry about the Madden curse in that regard. But that really would then blossom the Arizona Cardinals from being this team that's always been considered this laughingstock losers, this team that, you know, Cardinals are the only undefeated team. Everyone tweets about it because of how unexpected and how hilarious it is considering their history from not just their early times with the teams and the struggles, but from their time in the 90s and the 2000s of being this terrible franchise to then sinking back down to their depths and now rising again, very similar to their city's namesake in the city of Phoenix. It's been something that I think at least as a narrative is why everyone's talking about it so much because it was not expected coming into this season. And I think that's the narrative the Cardinals need to embrace, the nobody believed in us narrative, the everyone counted us out, from Cliff to Kyler to all the other players on that team. This is where the 2008 Cardinals that made the Super Bowl were able to feed that with that offensive talent and making enough plays on defense to get there. 
And so I think that's where right now what we're seeing, at least from Kyler Murray, whether it's his nine and a half yards per attempt, this is an elite level. For those wondering, at least, it shows that you're pushing the ball downfield, completing 75% of the pa- passes. If he's able to stay healthy this season, I think the Cardinals, at least by having this caliber of quarterback, who's only 24 years old, who you know is playing in this contract type year, where he could get a 40 million plus per year extension. This is something that Cardinals fans are not used to. We're not used to being the team that's on top of the NFL. The last time the Cardinals were four and zero, Kevin Cobb went out, and that's like, wow, we really are going to be screwed the next few games. And sure enough, went down and did that, and did exactly that, which was go five and eleven that season. Kevin Cobb get sacked. I think it was was it like. Uh, pushed out of bounds if I remember in the Bills game, and that was pretty much it for not just the Cardinal season, but his career as well. I think that the biggest thing we're going to take away from Sunday is that the Cardinals are for real, and this is the time for your Cardinals fan to be able to say, all right, this team has put in enough work, enough effort to get everyone to believe, even though it can feel like I said, and I wouldn't go another game against the Rams. I even said, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be able to win this game. They've been able to make enough doubters into believers within that locker room itself. Now I think it's time for Cardinals fans to be able to step up, enjoy this ride, enjoy this run, enjoy everything we said we talked about last year. Enjoy Kyler Murray while he's doing this because we haven't seen it. You know, maybe we end up saying at some point to it in the long generations, like, hey, we may never see that again. Maybe this is the setting of expectations to come for, you know, the next 10 years in the NFL. But for now, Cardinals fans, this is something that you as a long-suffering fan have earned. So go out and enjoy it. Go out and enjoy it. And let's ride this roller coaster as long as someone like Kyler Murray is able to carry it. Hopefully, that does lead it to the lofty goals and expectations that fans are probably starting to finally believe that this team could be capable of. That'll be it for the ROTB pod. Thanks again for joining so much. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at ROTB Pod, follow us at Revenge of the Birds as well. Uh, at Revenge of Birds, uh, as well as at Revenge of the Birds uh, I'm doing a little bit more as far as with on the Revenge of Birds Twitter account, so you may start seeing a little bit more of either jokes, some other areas. We'll also have some hopeful video analysis of the Cardinals coming up this week, and a second podcast previewing the second individual uh, divisional matchup for Arizona coming into this week against the San Francisco 49ers. And what seems to be Trey Lance starting on Sunday, perhaps but having a huge arm for a cannon, having the athleticism that Kyler Murray contains, but having a rookie quarterback. We'll see if the Cardinals are able to continue their win streak going 5-0, and zero, going up 2-0 and oh in the division. It's going to be a fun game at home on Sunday. If you can make it, at least for Cardinals fans, go ahead. I know people talk about don't sell your tickets. I'm not one to tell you what to do with your money, but if you are a Cardinals fan, seeing where this team is, I think it's a good way to be able to reward the team for what they've done by bringing that support on Sunday for what's going to be a very important home game just because of not just the divisional rivals, but to be able to say and capitalize on this. Yes, Cardinals are for real. It's not just they caught everyone off guard and then suddenly just blew a game to, you know, a quarterback in his second <laughs> first official start as a rookie. Um, I think that's one of the places at least to be are on Sunday. If you're going to be anywhere, be there at the stadium and then just support your Cardinals team. Follow me on Twitter, Blake Murphy 7 It's been the ROTB pod. Thanks again so much for joining. Carry on.